0: What's up, rockers? Welcome to another episode of the Talk Louder Podcast, where we geek out on all things rock and roll. Hit that subscribe button on our YouTube channel. Leave us your likes and comments. You can also leave likes and comments on our Facebook page. Follow us on iTunes, Spotify, and Instagram at talklouder underscore podcast. And, of course, at our website, talklouderpodcast.com. I'm Metal Dave, along with my co-host, Jason McMaster. And today we are excited to welcome a friend of ours, Mr. Billy Rowe from the band Jet Boy. He is currently in the band Buck Cherry. He's actually joining us from a tour stop in Calgary, Canada, and uh, taking some time out of his day off to speak with a couple knuckleheads like me and Jason. So we're we're grateful for that. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. Let me start yeah. by saying he is like he's you know when people say, "Man, he's a good dude." You know, yeah. he's yeah. a good dude. Um, yeah. Every time I've been, and it's only been a handful of times, and each time uh, it was like we were kindred souls. Like we knew we were all in, we loved all the same shit. We liked the heavy shit. We liked dirty old rock and roll. We were just these uh, omniv- omnivorous rock and roll freaks. and yeah. Just like you. Just like yeah. you. He's yeah. uh, definitely one of us kind of a vibe uh and a perfect if I go on a limb and say perfect guest for the talk louder podcast because we're kind of there's no divining rod there's no divide it's all just you know yeah. what we what we do here and uh what what this is I'm excited about this it's gonna be a great interview because he's so real and humble and uh just a sweetheart,
0: yeah. Great guy, total rock and roll nerd. I think all three of us are are on equal footing today when it comes to just being total geeks. And that's one of the things I love about Billy. If you take away the fact that he's in you know, Buck Cherry and has a history with Jet Boy, if he just showed up in my backyard while I'm grilling some chicken or something, we're going to have the geekiest rock and roll conversation you could ever ask for, which is kind of why we started this podcast. <laughs> so he's, he's a perfect guest for the show. And uh, we look forward to geeking out with him I today. I think it's
1: amazing that he's, uh, he's you know, as his, as we'll soon find out in, in this, this upcoming episode, he, you know, he fell in love with guitars. He fell in love with rock and roll. Uh, he has a business that we'll talk about. Uh, what's the name of his business, Dave?
0: Rock and Roll Relics.
1: Rock and Roll Relics. Yeah. And you wouldn't even think that that's a guitar company. But it definitely says a lot about, you know... Uh, the old school uh, stuff that he's into and why he's into it when you think yeah. of rock and roll relics yeah. um, but you know he, he has some um, I'll say uh, uh, rock star clientele
0: yeah he sure you does could, you
1: could say that without getting a rock thrown at you he, he takes care of quite a few people we'll let him tell us all about it here on this episode of the Talk Louder podcast i think uh the last time i saw you was in Mm -hmm. fort worth it was jet boy broken teeth
2: yeah Yeah. i remember that yeah 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 Yeah.
1: that's some that's That's a long time ago that was time ago yeah that's that was like decade
2: yeah 11 years
1: decade Yeah. yeah 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 that's crazy
0: shit I know Well, let's get Damn. started
1: Well, we I thought we
0: already did, Dave Oh, okay <laughs> <laughs> I told you, Billy, it's very informal mm-hmm. So, uh, tell us, where are you right now? You're on the road with Buck Cherry Part of the Hellbound Tour uh, Is rolling across the, Where are you exactly today?
2: Uh, I'm in Calgary, Canada
0: Calgary, Canada And mm-hmm. you are you are in a hotel lobby joining us today on your day yeah. off. Um, he's, giving, that's
1: right. he's giving the listeners, like the iTunes listeners, a visual.
0: Yeah, we've got yes. people that don't see this. They only hear it. So we have, we have to accommodate that as well. Like so you're it. in a hotel lobby in Calgary. Is it a day off or are you just squeezing us in before sound check or something?
2: Yeah, it's a day off. We got a okay. day off here. Yeah.
0: Wow. And you're spending it with a couple of knuckleheads like us. What a what a trooper. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what a trooper.
1: <laughs> I uh, I want to jump in and just say, can you tell us a story about how you got the Buck Cherry gig? Yeah.
2: Uh it it kinda it, it really honestly it just came out of the blue. I've known Stevie for you know, since he joined the band and you know, fifteen, sixteen years ago, whatever it's been. Right. it's Fifteen record. And We've just been friends for the years, and then just last year, due to COVID, uh, Kevin, the last guy, just, uh, he stepped down. Didn't mm-hmm. I, I think he really didn't feel comfortable doing dates, and Josh wanted to keep moving as much as possible within yeah. the whole restrictions. He sent me a text. He actually sent me a text, you sing backing vocals. And I'm at the shop working on guitars, and I'm like going, well, yeah. What does this mean, you know? Then he called me and he told me the situation. Wow.
1: So I, I, I like it. I, li, I like that uh, there's no audition. It's just, I was like, gonna ask, was hey, there you, an audition hey, or do no? You, do you sing mm. a little bit? You sing some backup no. vocals? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, kind uh, funny. You, meant, you meant can you go, oi. Yeah, 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 I got that part down definitely, yeah.
2: and the, shaking the right leg in the right tempo. Hell
0: yeah! yeah. <laughs> so, did you know any of the other guys in Buck Cherry besides Stevie uh, before uh, you joined the band? Uh, well,
2: the bass player is—I've uh, known Kelly for—I've known him even longer. I've known him back, you know, that electric love Hogs, Goldfinger. We have many friends in common, and he used to hang out with Jet Boy back in like when he moved to LA in like '88. Wow. So I've known him thirty some odd years, so that was an easy, you know. We, yeah. And we all get along great. It, it, the drummer Francis is awesome. Josh is great. It's just, it's actually, it's pretty electric. The chemistry feels like it's supposed to be it, this way.
1: It sounds so it's, like it's, a it sounds like a good fit, not only because of, you know, history and just because it's the same vibe, but like it needed to happen. I know that yeah. sounds unfair to previous, you know, but sounds uh-huh. like it just had to happen like that. Right, right. right.
2: Yeah, right. that's what it feels like. It was all very natural. Like you say, no auditions, no rehearsals.
1: Yeah, I don't audition. Just, <laughs> I mean, yeah. unless it's ACDC, you know. I, yeah. But you <laughs> yeah, know, there's right. no audition when you work with someone that you kind of know or kindred yeah. cut from the same yeah. cloth. And that's definitely uh, mm-hmm. you. So you've, you're out on
0: a, on a pretty extensive tour for the first time in a long time for you. Um, yeah, yeah. What, what's been the hardest uh, thing to relearn about being on the road for such an extended period?
2: Uh, well, there's nothing really hard to relearn. Actually, the tour stuff and all that is like it's kind of just autopilot for me, just kind of go into that mode. But I have a guitar business now back. In LA, and that's the new challenge. Is you know, I'm on a laptop every day doing emails and ordering and and invoices and checking in with the shop, making sure this is got to get this out the door, got to get this started, put this in front of the line, you know. So, yeah, um, yeah, and that that's that's the only difference. And it's running
1: running your business uh, versus playing rock and roll has kind of turned into not a versus, but uh, something that you're. Feel like you might be juggling, but maybe I'll go on a limb and say, I like this. This is cool. I will juggle this. I will learn how to juggle this because this is great. Mm-hmm. Is that how you feel about
2: it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, that was kind of when I get, when I was asked to do the gig, Stevie knows what I do. And, you know, yeah. Josh didn't at the time. You know, he goes, I know you got a lot, you know, and you just moved the shop to LA. But, it, you know, it was, it was, it was, I kind of manifested this when i did the move to la i'm like the next thing is to be able to get in a band that's really a working band where i could just step in and play the part and then go back and do and do my work stuff and then have the shop and get it to that level and i, I, I took on another brand friedman guitars which is there's friedman amps and right at that time they had been talking to me about taking over from grover jackson because he's not retiring but he moved to, back to tennessee where he's from and they wanted somebody who was going to have the long haul with the brand and you know he's in his 70s yeah. and it just yeah I, I i took it on hired another guy it, it all everything just started just coming to me at the right time and so that that was a big help
1: man so congratulations the, that's just uh, heavy duty and yeah and, and even more shit but more badass shit so. <laughs> yeah
2: yeah it's awesome man yeah, I, I can't complain
0: yeah, staying busy with rock and roll, one way or the other, that's that's not a bad thing. Yeah. is it safe so? to say yeah,
1: exactly? Is it safe to say that uh, you know you being like you know your your dream gig is is this guitar stuff and uh-huh. you, like you you're obsessed with guitars, right? And. Ultimately, that's just led to other things as well as you being you're a player too so mm-hmm. you have this world that rock and roll has sort of given you and i i i fucking love it
2: yeah and, it's pretty if, amazing man yeah
1: when you think about the universe sort of like coming to you and take you know just taking you where you need to be that's not a lot of people can say that so so yeah, we, should yeah, tell, pretty, we
0: should we should tell awesome. people uh, the the name of the business is rock and roll relics and uh, yeah. tell us a little bit about how you got started with that and then um how long you've been in business and then um i i know that you've had some pretty some pretty big name clients or customers uh mm-hmm. i think i think you've done work uh for billy joe from green day and uh and I don't know if you, uh, Paul Stanley possibly, just tell me about yeah. the business, how it got up and running, who your clients are and what exactly you do and how long you've been in yeah. it. Yeah, uh,
2: I mean, I, I got into twe- tweaking on guitar since I was a kid, I built a guitar in high school. And I could say probably Eddie Van Halen was my inspiration of like the, of my era of a guy who tinkered with guitars and turned them into <laughs> this iconic looking guitar, of course, with Eddie Van Halen, but he, you know, he did all the work himself. He painted them. And I got into that myself as a kid, high school, built a guitar and, you know, fast forward through the years of Jet Boy and playing music, I I put together some parts guitars and painted them and used them in in the band. And then I got really into the, but they were used guitars. They weren't, they're now vintage, but I got into the Gretches and all that. And then kind of like after Jet Boy, I just got into doing the same thing, just tweaking, putting parts stuff together, tellies and strats and painting guitars and I refurbished a couple of vintage guitars and then the internet comes along then I see this relic type thing coming up with a few small companies one was Nash guitars who's probably one of the biggest to this day and I just started building a few and throwing them on eBay and they sold and I built another one and they go oh maybe I'll build a website and just come up with a name and it just kind of organically just kind of built itself in a
0: lot of ways yeah and how long have yeah. you been in business now?
2: It's going on 17 years now.
0: And so tell us a little bit about some of your, some of your, am I right on Billy Joe and Paul Stan? Yeah, Billy Joe
2: is a huge, he's a huge supporter and fan of my work. And he's, I mean, he's bought at least 10 guitars from me and he's used them on the last, not this tour, but the last tour was like one of his main guitars for the, the opening of the show. And, um, you know, I did I did some personal work for Paul Stanley ref, refinishing an old 59 he had from uh, years ago that had been refinished and wanted it a certain, you know, the more he didn't really like the color. Then I did stuff with Bruce Kulick, Gilby Clark, um, you know, like right now Ryan Roxy from Alice Cooper's got one out there, and Ryan Cook who plays with Ace Freely's got one out there. There's a lot of country guys. Keith Urban's bought stuff for me. Wow. Um, a lot of kind of smaller, they're big country guys, whatever, but a lot of people don't know who the guitar players are, I guess. Yeah, but, um, right. Or they some do, but you know, they're not like a name. name. And I, I know there's more people out there that, that uh, you know, I did some for Sammy, Sam, the Yaffa. Yeah. He, yeah, he's got a bass, and uh, yeah, and wow. then you know, just, just uh, the people who just follow me on Instagram, and they're all you know, big names from. Brian Ray from Paul McCartney to Zach Wilde to, you know, love my stuff. Wow. It's it's pretty cool.
0: That's great, man. With a clientele like that, I I would imagine the word of mouth is great. And then uh, Uh then, it probably provides a little bit of security when you've got clients at that level that are, uh, you know, helping to support the business and admire your work. So good on you, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, so I wanted, about, uh, I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about the latest Buck Cherry record. It's called Hellbound, and that's mm-hmm. the tour you're out you're out on right now. Um, did are you actually on the album? Did you take part in the recording, or did you join the band after things were up and running?
2: Yeah, I, well, a little bit of both. I joined when it was up and running, and you know the songs were written, demoed. Um, you know, Stevie and Josh are the core writers now, and and the whole core of the band. I did some snippets on the record. A lot of it was done and set in place. So I totally get it with that. It's like nowadays you just got to knock shit out as quick as you can. So, right. But after they, after a couple after, after it was done, you know, Stevie's like, ah, I think, it, you know, I think it needs this. And, you know, I'm kind of known for doing slide work and stuff like that. So I did a couple snippets like that, a couple rhythm spots on some of the tunes.
0: Nice. So, yeah.
1: That makes it legit if you're on it and you're on the road that's that's awesome yeah
0: yeah mm-hmm. so so that's my next question how long term is this or is, is it too early to tell or have you guys had discussions about the i know the, uh, talking about the new album the next album might be a little premature but are is this a, sort of a long-term uh commitment for you guys you and the band or is it kind of we'll see how it goes sort of thing
2: uh, I, I guess, I mean, I think I'm in, I mean, it's like, I'm down for the long haul, and I, I, you know, this is Josh's baby and he doesn't want to deal with people. He's not into the ins and outs of like members and stuff like that. So that was part of it. The whole thing It's like, I want someone who's going to be here and not, yeah. you know, two years later, Yeah, walk out the door, you know, and I get it. Cause I've been in the same situation with Jetboy, you know, you go through the revolving door and getting a solid guy is. Is hard enough, let alone get them at the right solid guy. You know?
0: right. What do you think?
1: What so. do you think it is? Let's, let's go into that just for, just for a second. M- maybe it's different with every band, uh, but for the most part, it's like, you know, the bass player, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Well, I'll just stick with that. It's, to me, it's <laughs> right. <you>
0: know,
1: <laughs> it turns into a spinal tap thing, obvious, right? Uh, right. What do you think that it is about, I mean, is it life gets in the way? Me and Dave say that shit all the time. Life gets gets in the way for some people, and they things things you know, the the things they thought were defined, the definition changes over a couple mm-hmm. of years after that. What do you what, what's your opinion on just bands? Maybe you know, maybe bands you're you've been in as well as the you know your opinion on how that just works. Oh uh, right! Personally. You
2: mean basically members like. Down the yeah, road, going. Yeah, that uh, whole, done, that, I want to move on from this or whatever. Yeah, what, yeah, what ultimately? What,
0: you, yeah. what ultimately disrupts the chemistry, I think, is,
1: is in any band. Your yeah. band, my yeah. Band.
2: I, I mean, it. it, it I guess it would, the difference would be the, the success level.
1: You know, Ooh, success
2: yeah. level. If it's super huge, then, you know, the egos, yeah. and just you know, they can't get along. And it's it's right. it's, it's a five way marriage. And but then all the ones that we know of that we love that split like that, the one thing that brought them together, which was the dollar sign. <laughs> so, right. Cause it's a, it's a business, you know? Yeah. And there's very few that stick together. And I, you know, some people just move on from life. They, people change, you know, yeah, people's, yes they do. people's 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 uh, wants and everything change, you know, some
1: on, on that note, the way that what exactly the definition that you ended there with, I feel like may have something to do with the ideas of you know they're, they're they're I could say they're growing out of it or uh they're not uh, since they're not making the money they want to make they have to go take care you know feed the children and you know they have to go take care of what their responsibilities are and rock and roll's getting in the way of you know it's not quite cutting the mustard and right. I, I fully am behind that. I mean, we all yeah. are I mean that's kind of right. important, um but it's too bad that that when that happens, it's too bad, especially if it's a key player, if it's someone who yeah. what if it's half the songwriting team, so to speak yeah
2: and, and, and that does happen you know yeah. I mean it, it does it is a huge bummer true. i
1: also I also feel like the like I'll just, fans they don't like hearing that. What do you mean he had to quit because he got married? What do you mean he had right. to quit because they hate that yeah. shit?
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's very unrock um, and roll. Yeah. Idea. It just doesn't right, sound right. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Anyway, thanks for that that you know, just some insight I think is is Yeah, great. you
2: see it you see it everywhere. I mean, there's not yeah. I mean, there's a there's not even a handful of bands that have the original guy since the day one. Sure. I mean, you know, from your state would be ZZ Top you know, and we just yeah. lost Dusty Hill, but that's the one band that never, never shifted anybody.
0: Right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So you, you, know? you, you mentioned uh, that that you didn't have to audition for Buck Cherry because you kind of had a relationship with the guys uh, prior to joining the band. Uh, I wanted to ask you, was there ever any auditions that you didn't get? Did you, did you audition for no. any bands that uh, didn't work uh-uh. out? No. no,
2: no, I never, never did any cattle call or audition or, yeah. No. Never. Right. Ever.
1: I feel yeah. like the audition would be for the the unknown guy. Come. Well, who's this guy? Right. What he can do, and that's the cattle call, like you said. But yeah, yeah. I think with I think with Dave. I think with Billy, it's kind of a no brainer. You know what you you're going to get. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: That's um, kind of how it was with Stevie. Stevie knows my history, and he's you know he's him and I at the same age. Grew up on the same well, stuff. He watched me the Dave, whole. If me and Dave thing. were
1: for me and Dave were forming a band and we knew exactly what we wanted, and we just called you, there would be no reason on. It's this, yeah, yeah. Right. We know. Yeah. What we're
0: doing. Now I was just curious if 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 Billy ever you know reached out to like a a big time mega established yeah. band and threw his hat in the ring. Yeah. Um, so let's go back we got to talk jet boy um the band that first kind of put you on the map the the band Mm -hmm. that brought you your first taste of uh attention and fame and um first of all do you did jet boy do you two guys you you and jason have any history because dangerous toys and jet boy were kind of happening around the same time did you guys ever cross paths back in the day
2: you know, I don't. I don't it's, know if I mean. If, I don't think we actually crossed paths on a personal level. Too not, too I closely. I don't. I don't, don't
1: think, think so either. I think it was. Um, I, I mean, I, unfortunately, I didn't get to hang around much in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. uh, and I hate that because I love the whole scene there. And yeah. um, And um, if I ran into Jet Boy, it was in a bar, and it was late. Imagine. <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's no, it's a no brainer. So, you know, if I'm half, if I'm half brained, that's what I recall. Right, Uh, right. So, So, I mean, yes and no, whether me and Billy recall that or not. uh, Yeah. But I feel I can say this, this is also a no brainer. It's, uh, or a half brainer that uh, respect. I mean, we had that, we wore that first album out, listened to it on the bus and, Mm -hmm. every time we ran into one of those guys we're like oh dude yeah boy you know yeah we were were, were fans and uh, that whole thing out there for a while was was really awesome so every time i was out there and i saw someone from and then the cool thing was sammy you guys had had like this living legend in in the band and so that was like a big like oh my god look over there you know So there was a little bit of that fanboy thing. I know. Well, we were doing
2: the same thing, and he was standing next to us on stage.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's great, though, man. Yeah, you work. You work at the candy store, and you get free samples.
0: Yeah, exactly. So
1: yeah, we. I
2: mean, I. I mean, I knew Dangerous Toys, and that that with our bands. I mean, in that era, everybody you didn't know everybody, but you knew everybody. Even if you haven't met in person, from the videos to just the magazines to the whole connection of what that whole 80s rock thing did it connected everybody across the world
0: state
1: to state here you go made it small made it small yeah 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 Yeah. i
0: so i don't i don't think a lot of people realize just how close jet boy came to like to to big time stardom because you guys you know you and i have talked in the past and, and any rock journalist i guess would know this but uh there was a time uh, in the mid '80s, I guess moving into the to the later '80s, when the three biggest bands out in California were Jet Boy, Poison, mm-hmm. and Guns and Roses, and yeah, obviously Poison exactly. and GNR, you know, took off, and Jet Boy had uh, a series of misfortunes. I guess is, is the way you could d- explain it. But tell us how close you guys came, because I I don't think that people realize that you guys were neck and neck in the race with Poison and Guns and Roses. Yeah, we were. I mean,
2: we all got, you know, Poison got signed first and then
0: Guns N' Roses and then Jet Boy, but we all were selling
2: out the clubs and, you know, the AR guys and then and got the deals. But yeah, we were one of those bands and we were, we were the one of those three that, you know, were set to take off. We just got signed to Electra. The press was good. The reviews were good, everything. And it was just political. We got dropped. We got it come to the end of 87, the label went through a shift of, of, uh, well, I don't know if it was the president or whatever they cleaned house, whatever you call it, you yeah. know, Our our and our guy got fired basically. And so they let band, they let the go, the bands that he signed, shelved them. Yeah. and And, you know, MCA came along and, and picked it up and they bought the rights to the out, or they basically bought the masters and we recorded one more song, one new song and, and then released it by the time that happened. It was a year later. Yeah. And the momentum, it was the momentum and the t- it was all timing. The timing killed it.
0: Yeah. And then and then you guys also had to deal with the loss of your bass player, Todd Crew, which was a devastating mm-hmm. blow. So between right. the loss of Todd and the the cleaning house at the record label and the changing times that were right around the mm-hmm. corner. Um, yep. Yeah, it's a tough uphill battle.
2: Yeah, it was tough. I mean, it was first it was Todd, you know, and then Sam came in. And then we did the record. And then, I mean, we fired Todd, which was a tough thing to do, but it was the decision that we, you know, we all agreed on and we had to do it. And six months after that is when he, you know, passed away. Yeah. So, and then after that, we got dropped.
0: And yeah. So, so Along you. Along come um, these other bands. Yeah, right. A lot um, of them. A lot of them. Yeah. Um, getting Sammy in the band, y- you guys were obviously huge fans of Hanoi Rocks, and Sammy was uh, a hero of yours. And all of a sudden, he's in your band. And so, what was it like when you guys got together on a personality basis? You're obviously there's obviously a mutual respect, but he's coming over from Finland to play with this band that's in America. You guys are big fans of his. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you would obviously love to have them in your band, but there's some there's there's a difference between wanting someone in your band and then coming face to face with them and having to, you know, sort through the personalities and do the work and that sort of thing. So right. what was it, what was mm-hmm. it like when you guys finally put your minds together, you know, as personalities?
2: Uh, it, it honestly it clicked very fast. Sam, we were we were excited to have pretty much a bass hero of this band we have worshipped all these years. All us bands worshipped. And he was ecstatic to move to America and Los Angeles and jump into this opportunity that put him back up in, in the public eye. And basically just, you know, he, he, you know, he figured out that, holy shit, my band Hanite Rocks is like legendary to this whole scene, Yeah, you know? So it tripped him out at the same time, seeing all this, not knowing about it where he was in Sweden, you know, two years prior or whatever. And then, Walking into this, and we, we clicked. It was like everybody, we got along the, the whole bit. It just was it, a, just, was
1: it an, ex, an expensive phone, really long, expensive phone call. Were you guys pin pals? <laughs> how are you? How are you contacting? How are you courting Mr. Yaffa? You
2: know? Yeah, it, well, our, our manager at the time, I'll, I remember she said that if you could have any bass player. Who would it be? And I said, Sam Yaffa.
1: Wow.
2: And she okay. knew somebody at. Warner Brothers Brothers Publishing in Sweden. Wow. So she contacted him or her. I don't know who it was exactly. Said, we're trying to find Sam Yaffa. And lo and behold, this person had a phone number, which is where he was living prior with his girlfriend at the time, who he had a kid with, Anna. And he had moved out and they split up or whatever. But she was there and forwarded the message to him. And boom, he got it. Bless her heart.
0: Yeah. It was
2: pretty, pretty unreal.
0: Yeah. Um, I I know you're a pretty modest guy and and you're probably not into name dropping, so I'm going to do it for you because, because I think it's really cool that you've shared some, you've shared the same space with some really cool characters in the whole rock and roll spectrum. So I want to start with, you tell me a story about each of these names I'm going to throw at you. The first one Uh is Paul Stanley.
2: Right.
0: So tell us about that.
2: My 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 new encounter, I mean I had encounters of just seeing him and you know as a kid. I remember Fern and I going to Fresno following them for the look it up tour, and we ended up at a Denny's with him and Eric Carr sitting across from us. Wow. It's kind of ironic, you know, little things like like that. And uh, but uh, when I moved to LA, knowing Bruce Kulick, doing some guitars for him. Paul's tech was looking for someone to refinish this Les Paul form. And Bruce goes, you should talk to my friend, Billy. He's moving to LA, blah, blah, blah. So he reached out to me and I said, I'll be in LA in this new shop in just a few, like a couple months. And I said, if you could wait, we could just do it in person. And that's what we did. We, we did. And, you know, him wow. and Paul came. They were the first guys to walk into my shop, you know. wow, Wow. So Paul Stanley pulls up in his Escalade and he came, he, he was at the shop seven times. Wow. he would come and <laughs> hang out and, and see progress reports check out and he loves guitars and he and he loved just we just sat and talked about zeppelin and and uriah heap and just i clicked i clicked with him on i i was i'm into the same bands that he's into as well from what he grew up with zeppelin and page and so yeah you know, and I'm, I'm like this rock, rock guy so it wasn't this, this this guitar builder dude who's you know right. i'm like Basically, I'm one of him, you know. This is yeah. a good... it, cl- it, clicked, you know. This so that is... was that was huge for me because, of course, Kiss is the gateway to oh, our yeah. generation sure. through all music.
1: <laughs> I think this is a good time for me to inter interrupt, uh, violently interrupt. And because Dave, you're doing, I like this, uh, name drop, Billy tell a story part of the show, but uh. <laughs> Billy, I I follow you on some social media, and and when you post songs on your story, yeah, uh, it's usually I did that this, for a while. It's usually this really awesome thing. It's like, oh, I love this, and I'm singing along for the thirty second clip, and and it's usually Nick Gilder or some like KM mm-hmm. Gold. Or some shit that I used to go to the skating rink and they would play, you know, yeah. uh, in the seventies. You know, but it's <laughs> all this really kick-ass, like AM Gold, this dirty, sleazy, you know, mm-hmm. some some underground, you know, shit by the Sweet or something. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like, uh-huh. yes, yeah. So there's definitely no language barrier. So it doesn't right. surprise yeah. me when Paul Stanley walks in that you guys are have this level already. Mm-hmm. So it's awesome. yeah. yeah, I
2: love all that. AM yes. gold hits, yes. man. I can go on. Yes. That's what me, me and Kelly and, and uh, we, we crank that stuff all the time. It's funny. I got a few friends that were just like, so into that
1: stuff. Yes yeah well uh i i could listen to you dj just by hearing you know as it was, it was like one every like four <laughs> days or less and i'm just going yeah i got a
2: kick out of it. it it's funny i just did it once and then just a few people are like going what is that i've never heard that before so i'm like "Oh, well, i'm i gonna turn some people onto some good stuff here and just nah, you were, try to keep it up for a while it was fun
1: you were killing right. it you were killing it yeah
2: that's cool
0: yeah. Uh, Billy's always had an ear for and, a, and an appreciation for what I would call that, you know, power pop, power punk kind of, you know, uh, those those types of bands. You mentioned Nick Gilder. I know Billy's a huge Stars fan, huge Angel yeah, yeah. and huge yeah. Cheap Trick fan. Yeah,
2: I could, see, I could see Coliseum
0: Rock down there to your left. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh-huh. uh, and, and so, okay. I'm I'm getting sidetracked here but I want to I'm wanna, sorry that was my no, no, fault. No no, yeah. I want to ma- I want to interrupt the, the name drop game cuz something just oh. came to my mind when we're talking about Billy's uh uh appreciation for various genres for cool of rock and
1: 70s roll. 45s. Yeah. 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 So oh, yeah.
0: One th- about 2007 my wife and I went to San Francisco and Billy invited us to his home. So we we went to his house. And and the house was just amazing. And um, it it, the but the thing that I'll always remember is the bathroom, (laughs) because Billy had Billy had a bathroom that was literally the floor of the bathroom. And did did it go all the way up the walls and onto the ceiling or? No, it was just the floor. Okay, so the floor, the floor is basically tiled in CD covers. So yeah. you've got all these album covers in CD format that make up the floor. And it was awesome. <laughs> I'd never sounds- seen anything like that before. I know. It was hilarious. It was so really the cool.
1: The CD insert, not the CD itself.
2: Right. The yeah, insert. Yeah, yeah, right? the, the, yeah the, the artwork. Cover, so. The artwork. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so it's it's like the New York, New York Dolls and High and Dry and stuff
0: like that. It
1: was <laughs> amazing. Tell us a little bit about, are you Hodge? Are you getting t- bathroom tiles and hodgepodging the cover to the tile before you grout it uh,
2: no it was actually on the floor it was almost like uh you just you get this uh like thick shellac type yeah. stuff yeah and you just glue the, the the images down and then you just coat it and you let that shit dry it level itself levels out and it becomes that's, like this like a late. linoleum whatever yeah. floor you know, how many lately. how many
0: cds covers do you think were on that floor uh i don't know that's probably like 50 or something like that 40 50 i don't know it was pretty amazing it was that's, great. that's, great. that's just cool i'll, I'll never forget show.
1: that i love show like that yeah. yeah okay
0: so back to name dropping you yeah. talked about uh paul stanley in the present but i want to go back to paul stanley in the past wasn't there a time when he was uh yeah. possibly going to produce the next jet
2: boy record yeah yeah well he was he was in he was one of the guys who was interested in he was interested in when, with the whole Poison, Jet Boy, Guns and Roses thing. We all met with him, probably well Poison ahead of ahead of us, but GNR and, and Jet Boy probably within weeks. He wanted to get into producing, of course, Asylum came out, which he, I believe he was the producer on that one, <clears throat> Kiss Asylum. And yeah, he came to a rehearsal and checked us out. It was after we signed with Elektra and the whole bit.
0: So what was that? What was that like
2: yeah, it, was, uh, it was real quick. it was, it was pretty mind-blowing for us. Yeah. You know we were at SIR in Santa Monica in one of the small rooms and the door popped open and in comes Paul Stanley. and ironically enough, telling the story now, the first thing he did is I'm playing my white falcon standing there, and he walks in the first thing he, did, he points to me at the guitar and he goes, "Cool guitar." <laughs> and that he, that he, what I don't remember. After that, I was just like, you know,
0: my teeth were on shivering. I was freaking, yeah.
1: yeah, lost it, you know.
0: Okay, another it was name. pretty awesome. Another name. You told me a great story about this guy at a, a, a. You, you were at a party, and this dude pulled some a crazy stunt. Michael Monroe. Oh yeah, yeah. Tell well, us. Well, that about. was
2: that. that well, the, of course, that was when Sammy joined the band, and then yeah. along comes Michael, and then comes nasty and andy but when michael came he we had a couple we used to have pool parties our our uh, apartment had a big pool in the front and there was like it was two levels you know the ground level with the pool and then the next level and then the roof and if you know michael manor Road, which i know you do and see him live the guy's like a a monkey he'll climb the trusses and just like all over the place so he started climbing he got to the second floor and was going to dive in instead of that he got on top of the railing it was I, he may have gone to the roof but I, either, either that or the railing and it, it's pretty up there those pools are not that deep you know and he's like he's tall so i'm just thinking like this guy's gonna split that blonde head wide open in this pool you know <laughs> and he just fucking kamikazes that shit into the pool it was hilarious and just
0: <laughs> pretty funny oh my god Ooh, man uh, uh, lemmy i know you've got mm-hmm. stories with lemmy he played with you a, a couple times or once or recorded with you or.
2: Yeah, he, he played, he played, he, uh, Ron, our drummer became, he befriended these Japanese girls and one of them was either dating Lemmy or whatever. And I remember telling Ron, get him down to our release party and have him do a song with us. Lo and behold, he made it happen. You know, he showed up and we used to do Great Balls of Fire. That's it. And that's right off Lemmy's alley. Oh, that's, yeah. That, that's, his, that's his, those are his heroes, you know? Yeah. So, we used to play an A, and we, I went in the room with him, the smaller room of Cat House the Probe on Highland, and it was a Cat House uh, night. It was a record release for Damnation. And he just took the guitar from me, he goes, we're going to play an E, though, and he just went and he he played the first verse, you know, like, you know, you shake my brain, and you rattle my brain or whatever the words are, and I'm just sitting there just like, oh, this is ridiculous, you know? So I'm just like, it's Lemmy, you know. It's like, well, however you want to play it, we've never played it that way, but we'll, we'll figure it out because Lord Lemmy just told us that's what we're doing, you know. And we did it, and it was it was incredible.
1: Yeah, if he's uh, saying if he's saying you're following me, you say yes, sir. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> you know. That's great. Yeah, and
2: Junkyard got up with us that that night as well. Roach and, and Baker, I think, got up with us on on an ACDC song that night as well. Oh wow wow <clears throat> yeah yeah uh, so- and then let, let me sang on some backing vocals on a couple demos we did he took a liking to the band he talked about us in, in an interview once because he came back to our apartment that night and he, he loved the fact that we all lived together and were roughing it he says this is how a real rock and roll band learns how to be a rock and
1: roll band he's not wow. wrong
0: yeah yeah not- yeah yeah it was pretty cool wow that's awesome uh stiv bader's
2: yeah, Stiv was a that was a that was a great one, man. I mean, I, a friend of mine, Devorah, who was a big fan of the of Jet Boy and a supporter in the early days, and up to this day, still a dear friend of mine. Um, she she's a little older, and she had seen the Dead Boys, and she became friends with Stiv. And so, when the Lords were coming to town, Jet Boy was playing across the street the night before them, or the I could have been the same night, and she had told Stiv about us, and she told me, "Oh, I told Stiv." He'll maybe come to the show, blah, blah, blah. You know, he's going to love you guys. He knows who you are and blah, blah, blah. And I was on Hate Street shopping, went into Aardvark, which was the used clothing store back in the day. I don't know if it's still around. And lo and behold, there's Stiff and Dave Faguna coming through close. And I'm just like, oh, shit. So I'm playing cool kid. You know, like, I got to, like, try to say something to these guys. You know? <laughs> and I had my Converse on that were just had band logos on on Hannah Rocks, girl, all, you know, all the, the glam stuff at the time. And I, I want to say he read my shoe and he said, I Rocks, he goes, oh, those are friends of mine. And it just opened the conversation. And I said, oh, I said, well, you're friends with my friend, Deborah. I play in Jet Boy and you're supposed to, you were going to maybe come see us tonight. And then we just started talking. Wow. And they were doing an in-store that day. At Rainbow Records, and it was like within an hour they were doing this in store, and that's where I was going. After I was going to Hate Street, see some friends, shop a little, boom, and then meet Mick and these guys up at Rainbow Records for the Lords of the New Church, Method to My Madness, what was a Method to the Madness, uh, release whatever in store. Yeah. And so we shot this, talked for a little bit, and then I said, "Okay, well, hopefully I'm gonna go to the in store. I'll see you guys up there." He goes, "Okay, great." So I'm on my way down Hate Street going to the in-store, and these two dudes are standing at the bus stop, and I'm like, Triguna and Stiv, and I I pull over, I said, are you guys waiting for a ride or a bus to get used? Yeah, we're waiting for a cab to go to the in-store. I said, well, fuck, get in, I'll take you there, that's where I'm going, <laughs> and they got in my car, and I showed up to the in-store with Stiv and Triguna, and I walk in with them, and Mick and everybody goes like, why are you with them? I go, they were on Haystreet, and needed a ride, and I Gave him a ride, <laughs> And from that day on, I was friends with Steve. I went to the hotel with him after that night, you know, that day we hung out, he played demos. He, he took a liking to me. I was young. I didn't do drugs. I wasn't a big partier. You know, I wasn't the guy like let's go do dope and speed and all that. And he liked that.
0: Yeah. Very,
2: very, it was interesting because I could sense that, you know, and from that day on he'd come to town, I, I'd pick him up, we'd drive around and go, hang out. And then LA, once I went and moved to LA, you know, we could see him there and became friends. He bought me clothes. I used to, I mentioned stuff about his, those patent leather pants he used to wear. I go, Oh, there's a cool, he goes, Oh, I'll buy you someone. I'm in England next. And he did.
0: Oh, wow. He brought
2: him back to me <laughs> and he gave me as a gift. And you know, he used to call me at my, I was at my mom's still, my mom met him. Wow. Total trip. Absolute. He, he's not what people think he was. Yeah. He was very close with his family. His mom and dad, only child. He had a picture of his mom and dad in a folding frame, and uh, every hotel I was in, he had it on the night on the little stand next to the bed. Wow, wow! So yeah, he kinda, I,
0: that was pretty cool. He kind of has this image as an out of control madman because of his stage persona, but I've heard what you, you what you just said that he was actually yeah. really sensitive and kind of together dude you know yeah very much yeah that, that story reminded me didn't you text me at one time and tell me that you were uh out of the blue you ended up driving ace fraley to an airport or something yeah that what that was happened that all too. about
2: yeah well my friend frank munos he, he ended up he was the guy who was like kind of managing him and put the whole anomaly record together and frank's a great friend of mine he lives the house you were at he lives like up the hill from there okay and they. We're on their way to the airport and I guess the flight got canceled and he needed a ride, basically. He says, can you drive us to the airport? Ace is at this hotel, pick me up. And then I said, yeah, sure. Like, whatever. I was doing guitar stuff in the garage at the time, you know. So I went and he's like, Ace gets in my car. I was just like, this is ridiculous. You know, of course, I'm like, I'm not going to say no to this. this. This is the hero yeah this is the guy this is the guy that kicked the door wide open for me and got me in this whole mess you know (laughs) yeah. yeah he got in the car and totally hit it off you know he's a tourist i'm a tourist birthdays are closed and all that kind of stuff came up and that's what happened the flight was canceled or delayed yeah and he goes oh well we, we got a couple hours let's just go uh let's go to a cafe and so we went to a cafe and got
0: coffee and hung out and that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, it was
2: it was a total trip.
0: Yeah. One one more, and I'll let you off the name drop and hook. I, I saw a picture of you with Bo Diddley. What? How did that come about? Tell me about that that photo. Uh,
2: that one was there was there was a show. He was playing the Coconut Teaser and Len Fagan, rest in peace, Len. He was an awesome big supporter of all the bands. Then uh, we we were doing a show at the Palace, and we kind of had some new songs, but we couldn't play. A gig you know too close to the date because it was like the big gig of the palace and so we went under we said if we do the gig we'll go under an alias we went under the hijackers and we did and we said can we you know let's pay with Bo Diddley he said you want to play with Bo Diddley and we're like fuck yeah we'll play with Bo Diddley and so we opened for Bo Diddley at the coconut teaser as the hijackers and after the show we insisted on a photo with him of course you know awesome that's yeah. awesome.
0: I saw him in Houston uh, about 26, 27 years ago. Uh, I was the guest of this guy. His name's Hamilton Loomis, and he was sort of a hotshot guitar player out of the Galveston area and was playing the clubs in Houston, and he was a minor at the time. So his parents mm-hmm. his parents were actually in his band, and they would drive him to his gigs or whatnot. And I kind of befriended right. him, and he was opening for Bo Diddley at this club in Houston. So I, I met them at the club, and I ended up backstage and sitting on a couch with Bo Diddley. And this is like, you know, before cell phones and cameras and all that stuff. And I had no idea I would end up sitting on a couch with Bo Diddley. So I didn't bother bringing a camera or anything. Uh-huh. Uh, but I sure wish I had because, uh, you know, how often do you get to sit down with one of the you know, creators of rock and roll, you know? Oh, my God. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that, that sounds
1: like a line in a song sitting on a couch with Bo Diddley. <laughs>
0: yeah. Like I a know, George Thurgood right? song or something. Yeah,
1: yeah. right. I want to I want to tell people
0: about uh Jet Boys Born to Fly record. Um yeah. that that came out a couple years ago I guess now. Yeah, um,
2: 2019.
0: Yeah, and it was a solid solid record, man. It's a really that was good, a good record. record, man.
2: We were mm, we were pretty pumped on that one. That was just again the stars aligned for us to get together and do it it came again that offer came out of the blue everybody was kind of like can we do this and i'm like well only one way to find out so i
0: i was you know i i understand the business uh not to the degree that you and jason understand it but i felt it was i felt it was criminally overlooked i don't know that it got pushed as much as it should have or whatever because i thought it was a really solid album and fans of the first two jet boy records would really appreciate uh, this, this third one, but I don't know that a lot of people even knew it came out. What are your feelings on it in hindsight, as far as uh, the push that it got?
2: Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's the same thing. I think, I think it's the same kind of thing that the band that the the name Jet Boy is known. it, It got branded, but it just didn't get branded like a lot of the other bands. And so it's still, this doesn't have that strength. You know, it's got, it's, it's got a lot of strength in the whole guns and Roses connection and the Todd and the books that we've been in. But for some reason, it just, I don't know. I thought the same thing, the label was behind it. The guy you know, signed, you know, was idea to sign the band and do this was super into it. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's just, and especially in today's age, it's like, it got great reviews and people loved it. Just yeah. one of those things that I guess if we had a little bit more success in the past, Maybe it would have done a little bit better. So we had, well, you know, it's a lot a, of it's, odds against us.
0: It's a great record, and anyone out there listening that's a Jet Boy fan that wasn't aware of it uh should go check it out. It definitely stands right up there alongside the first two records. And uh yeah, it's a shame it didn't do better. But I understand how things go, you know.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like it would have been the third album for us.
0: Ironically, like from even back then, it was kind of like it's it's.
2: It's material that was pent up into us and in, in for 20-something years. So Yeah. And it kind of flowed nicely when we did it.
0: Tell us a little bit about Mind Zone.
2: Yeah, that was a short-lived thing. That was really that was our era of what the hell are we gonna do? You get signed. I know Jason will get this, you know, you get signed, you get to a certain level, then all of a sudden it's gone. And you're like, oh, here comes this whole new wave of style of music. Or do we conform to this and try to do this? We'll get attention. We can get back to where we were. And that's that's kind of what we did. You know, Mick got very into the whole movement of white zombie Pantera and prong and all that stuff. And I, I loved all that as well. And I just kind of we just gave it a shot on trying something heavier. And we all loved the heavy stuff as well.
0: Yeah. And uh, you know,
2: it, it was fun for a minute, but you know, I always felt like it just wasn't
0: really me. Yeah. Did you record so, anything? Is there an album out? Yeah, we we did
2: record a record. It just never went anywhere. It's just sitting on a file and you know MP3 file somewhere. I'll have to get it to you sometime.
0: <laughs> yeah. I know I have it somewhere. Yeah. 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 Well, something that is more in line with your taste is uh, American Heartbreak. Tell us a little bit about that band and, uh, you know, uh, the album or albums, plural. uh, Yeah. Tell us a little bit about that point of your career.
2: Yeah, that was that was at the end of Mind Zone because the bass player, Michael Butler, was in in Mind Zone. who was previously in Exodus and uh, on the last record they did uh, for Capitol. And him and I were super into the Wild Hearts and that whole movement that was going on in England and Sweden, backyard babies, helicopters, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. And so we just said, let's start a band like that." And it just kind of just my buddy was into the Wild Hearts, the drummer Eric Lannon, and uh, he came in and we just Eric, you know, Eric we is just, uh, Morten, yeah, you know uh, Eric, Morten. yeah, Mordred, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly, yeah. We grew up together. We known each other since like the fifth grade. Wow. You know, so yeah, and we just we just kind of went on the cuff of of uh you know, basically that style of music. A little more little more simplified as than the Wild Hearts, or more like the simplified Wild Heart songs than the, yeah. the long, intense, genius written songs by Ginger. Um Yeah, and we did that for quite a while actually. We did a lot of European punk rock tours. It was it was definitely more the punk scene kind of gravitated to it so it's kind of a glam punk pop type thing
0: yeah i i thought that's another uh album that i think would have had uh had the potential for some commercial appeal because it was kind of in that zone where very accessible yeah. to a lot of different ears a lot of people mm-hmm. are enjoying that and it's the same right. with the wild hearts i've never really understood of course there might be uh, an issue with them being an overseas band but you know they read some just genius stuff that's just made from radio and they're not even known here in the united states you know uh, except yeah. for guys like you and us um, but There's yeah. a
2: lot of bands like that i mean yeah.
0: stars
2: angels i was into all the obscure stuff piper and you know, in the 70s, and, and you just scratch your head with that stuff. But to me, a lot of those bands were better than some of the ones who were selling millions of records oh, on the radio. Yeah. yeah. But I, I I don't know. I don't think anybody could figure
1: that out. There's Every generation loss, has that. Loss in translation. Yeah. Something. Yeah. You know, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm still not putting, you know, I'm still not, you know, hitting the button when I say lost in translation, but there's no reason why. I mean why didn't we hear uh you know don't leave me lonely by Angel on the radio next next to school's out next to Yeah I know uh, hot child in the city or whatever way back when when it was a a single it's it exactly. wasn't it wasn't being worked on it wasn't being uh, yeah. pushed in the right uh yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. there wasn't pay payola. Somebody needed to go on the golf course and take the guys out for a drink. Hey, here's, here's the money. Why don't you play this song at least for a month and see what it can do. Right. Nothing happened. You know, when payola was not okay, but okay. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. There's a lot of, there's a lot of like, uh, this, you know, kind of twisted things going on in the music business anyway, as to reason why bands get a get a break, or, or shit, why they don't get a break. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Why they don't, I know. I mean, Stars was one of them. They, I mean, they did climb, they had some hits. They're yeah. almost there, you know, but for whatever reason, you know. Have
0: you, hey, just... Billy, have you read the book, uh, They Just Seem a Little Weird?, no, I need to read that. I heard it's fantastic. You need to read it. You of all mm. people need to read it. Um, yeah, I, I heard I that's great. It. It's great, and all uh, the four bands that it uh, that it discusses are right up your alley, big time. And yeah. uh and you would yeah, as, that's, a, uh, as a musician that's and someone who has a sense of what goes on behind the scenes, you would really appreciate it. I don't even know yeah. what goes on behind the scenes, and I appreciated it. So you would yeah. Really yeah. Yeah. yeah it was
2: the guy isn't that the one that the guy wrote the book about kiss uh cheap trick aerosmith and stars
0: that's it yeah <laughs> and,
2: and and how something so many people those are those were the the influential bands of the, of the 70s too you know yeah people like Jay, jason and i worshipped and started playing music those were the bands that were huge but stars was not big but they are right in there with all these big bands that right. were influenced by them
0: yeah, that's the that's sort of the whole point of the book. It sort of dissects why Kiss, Aerosmith and Cheap Trick got all the fame and glory and why stars did not when they had a lot of the same ingredients as the yeah. other bands. I know um, it's really well written and it's uh it's it's a really cool perspective. And I know that you would appreciate it. The, the guy that wrote it, his name is Doug Broad. Uh, he yeah. was, used to be the editor in chief at Spin Magazine yeah um, that's what i heard i'm gonna yeah. have to pick that up you would I'm do sure it. it's awesome i'm gonna it's love it i know it's I it's
2: interesting yeah.
1: it's interesting that the the bands that are kind of we're sort of circling the wagons around here uh in this just the last bit of this conversation that it's stemming from this guy's book um are either from the midwest or new york or up near canada or you know like that part of the u.s or Mm -hmm. it makes me think of like April Wine when I think about stars and just trickle down in the circle around the Midwest Um, and that sound I mean even Kiss you know the whole you know and it sounds you know between Cheap Trick and Kiss you could stop right there that's you know the opening of the the walking through the the between two pillars and going all the way to New York City and this Mm -hmm. sound and this style uh, do you have an opinion about why there might be something in the water, uh, talking about yeah, 70s rock and the influence and the influence it had globally. There's something going on. I, I mean, Aerosmith, Cheap Trick, Kiss, Stars, yeah, keep going, you know.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's true. They are all all those bands that we worshiped as kids, they were from this area of the, of the country, you know. Yeah. And then, like you say, leaking into Canada with April Wine. Yeah, um, you yeah, had Triumph and Rush. You know, you can go on and on about Canadian who bands. Also, you think who, about al-
1: who also wrote songs that were just you know kind of dirty rock and roll kind of. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, I'm yeah. maybe, not, maybe not leaning into the pop side of of pop. You know, like heavy pop kind of whatever you want to call it. I hate boxes, right. but even Rush that first Rush album had some moments on it, and sure. it kind of worked with yeah with I all agree. Of the, sort of like early American, I don't want to say glam, Mm -hmm. but yeah. Uh,
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting, you know, I I, I don't know. Because that's the stuff I was just super into. I mean, of course, you had the punk scene with the Ramones, the Dead Boys, and then Detroit with Nugent and the Rockets and Mitch Ryder. And I mean, it's just, you know, endless. Yeah. It was like a huge deal. But then it's funny because like you back it up to like where I'm from, the Bay Area start start looking up all the bands from the Bay Area and you'd be like some of the biggest bands in the world
1: yes yeah you know from Metallica I Green been, Day I've been infatuated yeah. with the Bay Area it's interesting yeah since, I never thought I about re- it since I realized the, the nest of, of you know music from the area yeah I'm just like LA was its own thing but the Bay Area is definitely yeah. its own thing and I think that the right. little, the, the you know bands that are all kind of the cluster we just talked about uh, the midwest all the way around the east coast up into canada Mm -hmm. there's something something crazy in the water they're doing something right
2: yeah i i don't know what all that has to do with you know but just who knows you
0: you mentioned the punk scene and talking about punks and and the bay area did you tell me at one point that you went to high school with lars from rancid
2: no, he was Large Lars grew up in the east uh, uh no, the South Bay, San Jose area. So he was a he was he's he just turned fifty, I believe. So he's five years younger. So when you're you're ten, I'm fifteen or fifteen, I'm twenty, you know. So when he was fifteen year old, he was into all the the jet boy scene and the whole the whole thing. So he he grew up pretty got into it pretty young, but he used to hang out you know, go to the shows and all that. And then he got into the whole punk thing pretty early on with a lot of guys were older. So Mick knew him when he was a kid, Oh, wow. you know, cause Mick lived in, in the San Jose area when he moved from Jersey when he was a teenager and moved to the San Jose area. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of his stomping grounds.
0: So um, I know you're on your day off while you're on tour, so we won't keep you much longer. I wanted to ask, uh, is there any chance we'll see another jet boy record?
2: Yeah. Well, we're, 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 we're working on a covers album. <laughs> okay. So we're doing it for, for Cleopatra records. Brian over there us the idea. So, and, and it's not going to be a, as he would call a karaoke record. <laughs> it's going to be, you know, songs that you wouldn't think we'd play. So All I'll right. just, I'll just go with uh, uh, what Jason said earlier. There's going to be some uh, that seventies, Solid gold type shit in
0: there. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, awesome. Well, you guys are the right guys to do it, I guess. So yeah, it should be interesting. (laughs) Yeah, we'll look for that.
1: To me, when you (laughs) when you mentioned when you mentioned Cleopatra and karaoke record in the same sentence, it makes me there was a lot. There's a lot of tribute bands that are. I'm sorry, tribute releases that are, uh, you know, kind of jukebox, you know, it's, it's not necessarily, well, sometimes it's, yeah, one band, okay, but it's right. not, like, it's not, you know, Jet Boy doing one song, Dangerous Toys doing another, it's a hired Weird. band with the singer, you know, just right. different singers. It's one yeah. band, but with different singers ten times. You know, exactly. Yeah, so that's Cleopatra does a lot of that stuff. I, they I, do, first, yeah, hand. So the fact right. that uh, Brian's calling you, guy from Cleopatra, is calling Jet Boy to do a, the full record. That sounds cool.
2: Yeah, it should be fun. It'll be. Yeah. Uh, it's a little. It's it's kind of challenging. You sit down and listen to the songs, and then you learn them. They're just like they're so well written. They're clever and they're they're not easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and you learn, and, are...
1: and you learn a lot about how the song crafting is on right, that, that, right. that kind of stuff too. You're like, wow, yeah. genius. So, oh yeah, it's total genius. Yeah.
0: Yes. Well, Billy, I, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. I've always uh, admired you and had a great deal of respect for you. I always thought Jet Boy was a really cool band, breaking barriers, uh, doing things that were against the grain. Uh, you know, you had a singer with a mohawk, and that just wasn't seen in the in the glam nope. world back in the day. It wasn't. Um, and I've always admired your perseverance, you know, the things that uh, you went through with Jet Boy and then starting your own business and – uh and now you're off, uh, off and running with Buck Cherry. So that's awesome. Yeah.
2: Please give my violent. best
0: to, uh, give my best to Fern and, and Mickey and, uh, I also, will for sure. Also to yeah. Josh and Stevie. Um, tell yeah, them to say I will. Hello. and, mm-hmm. uh, hope to see you either with Jet Boy or maybe, maybe you come back around with Buck Cherry. We, the last time you were yeah. here, we
1: were in the middle of COVID. Yeah. Other, yeah. So.
2: There's more next. There's a bunch of dates next year so
1: well cool i don't know same. i'm
2: sure it's in a lot of the same areas. so
1: same for me as dave just said just tell everybody i said hi and
2: yeah for sure uh, yeah that'd be great that's... and all and and thanks for the support dave you've been huge you know that's oh, like yeah. awesome hearing all that that's super cool
0: you oh know? yeah we,
2: i mean we're all rock and roll geeks we're all you know we, yeah. we'd be talking about the same shit if we were just sitting in a living room
0: that's exactly, that's exactly.
2: Monopoly. That's, that's exactly that's why we have
0: this podcast. Yeah, this uh, show was
1: born because of what you just said,
0: and so. you, and I have yeah. to say, before we let Billy go, I think Billy is the guy that coined the phrase. Billy, if you've watched our podcast, I always introduce each guest or I introduce each show with this catchphrase. I say. Welcome to the Talk Louder podcast where we geek out on all things rock and roll. And I have to say, I think Billy is the first guy I ever heard say geek out on rock and roll. So i have got to give nice. credit where credit is due.
2: <laughs> okay, if, Billy, I did, if I did, that's great. I you think know? you did. I, 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 I could have lifted it from somebody else saying it, but I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, <laughs> still, I, I'm, I'm pretty certain I lifted it from you, and, and now we use uh, it a couple times a week. So <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> All right, Billy. We'll let you Good get stuff. back. To, uh, we'll let you get back to your day off. Uh, continued luck yeah, on, we'll, on the tour and, and our best yeah. to everybody. And thank, uh, thank you, you. Thank again you very for much, Yeah, we'll,
2: we'll definitely catch up more. I know. And, you know, who knows? Maybe get Jason up and we'll do, uh, do. You know, with Buck Cherry, do a song. Who knows? I know they're that'd into doing stuff like that. So that'd be awesome. That would
0: be awesome. Yeah. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. that'd be cool. We have a uh, Stevie has a thing at sound checks. We do is butcher the classics.
1: I've seen that. <laughs> yeah, I've seen sounds like what i do for a living
2: yeah it's fun exactly. that's, that's, but you're the classics yeah it's it's, it's fun you know
0: <laughs> well pretty, thanks again for joining us we'll let you get yeah. back in your day off uh on behalf of my co-host jason mcmaster i'm metal dave along with our special guest today billy Rowe, joining us all the way from canada thank you for listening to another episode of the talk louder podcast